It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns time. And now, here's your host, Matt Megan. Sitting next to me is Jerry Duty Bear. We got Josh Yagno on the phone from Oklahoma. And, you know, we, we were so excited about the 10-win the season for the first time in school history. But now we get to shift that excitement into our second straight Sunbelt Conference Championship game. And we have the joy of playing App State once again. Woohoo! We are we're thrilled about that. Uh, you know, App State always gives us always gives us issues. We've I mean we've yet to beat them. That's true. So I mean you know issues issues galore. Uh, you know obviously the, the game a couple weeks ago in October was a was about as close as it's ever been. It was a slugfest for sure. We'll get into all that. And joining us all the way from North Carolina, we have AJ and Charles of the Black and Gold Podcast. The App State Fan Podcast. Guys, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having us, guys. Now, yeah, not a lot. Thanks for having us on. Now, I, I kind of want to just dive right into, you know, the, the game and how monumental this game is, not only for each program, but for the Sunbelt Conference. Because really and truly, when you, when you look at the the dynamics of of this game i mean an app state victory for for you guys could mean the cotton bowl it could <laughs> um and then you know uh, a a win for us means practically hosting our bowl game right so you know on on paper i'm looking at the at the team comparison and it's almost dead even you know cajuns coming in averaging 38.8 points a game App coming in at thirty-eight point nine. Uh, we allow seventeen point eight. You guys allow eighteen point eight. You know, pretty, pretty dead even. What What are you guys from from the App State perspective? What are you guys thinking about this conference championship game? What excites you? What maybe makes you nervous? I I'll start um, real quickly. Yeah, I guess the the thing that most App fans are, are most concerned about or nervous about is the fact that. Um, this is, you know, the fourth time in, you know, two football season, which is uh, kind of really unheard of, you know, to, to have this type of situation kind of play out. I don't think this is what the conference had in mind when they envisioned having a championship game, but but this is what we've got because you've got strong teams in the West Division and strong teams in the East, and you, you figure that, you know, any given year, any given week, that um, it could be Arkansas State, it could be Georgia Southern, it could be Troy. Um, and you know that, and, and you could have a lot of interesting matchups year to year. But um, that would be the most thing. The thing I'd be most the app fans be concerned about is um, here we are. Um, this will be the eighth time we've met. They've all been rather recent, um, and the last three have been a lot closer than the previous four. Yeah, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, in, I mean, go back into the BGP archives. I I thought Napier was a great hire, and 
We love Mark Hudspeth. I'm not gonna. I'm not we gonna nah. <laughs> we did too until the end. Until we started playing you guys. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's funny uh, about that. You know, we he he gave us the greatest content that you know we didn't even have to prepare for anything because he always when he talked about us it was he was always putting his foot in his mouth which was terrific and we, we loved it so <laughs> miss us quite a bit but um i think napier's great and I've, I've kind of been on the record saying um that you know we when we played them at home last year when we played um the the cajuns we uh, i thought man that that's a really good team and i think they're on the upswing because you know obviously they went down with husband at the end as you just mentioned so I've been high on Napier. I've been high on, on the Cajuns. Beginning of the year, I thought we were going to have a rematch with them um, this year. I mean, I, so I'm not really surprised we're in this position that we're in. I thought that they absolutely could be a 10-win team. Charles and I actually kind of go back and forth about that, kind of jokingly. He, he's not as high on, on, on the Cajuns as I was because I thought, you know, coming from uh, a lot of different very successful uh, systems and teams that Napier, he just – he has that uh, – I, I think in – in modern college football, it takes somebody that's systems-oriented and process-oriented and very disciplined to win. I'm not saying that that's the only way, and there could be you know 100 ways to skin a cat, but I do think that's kind of the model. I think Napier's probably that guy, and <laughs> the Cajuns have always had a crazy amount of talent. It's, it's and, and to Charles' point also, the real reason I'm kind of concerned about this game, when I say concerned, you know, I, I think it's kind of a coin flip, just because I think it's so hard to beat a team two times in one year, which doesn't happen a whole lot of football, but to beat a team four times in 15 months, that's a that's really hard. I mean, it's just a really difficult thing to do. I mean, I think we can do it, but I, just, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. Right, and, you know, coming coming into this game, you know, Cajuns fans are kind of kind of on the upswing. They're, they're kind, of, kind of riding the momentum because, you know, we, we look back to that game in October – and if it wasn't for the magnificent, you know, twelve-minute drive that you guys had, um, right there in the fourth quarter, it was only a three-point game. And it, it was a game that a lot of Cajuns fans feel like we easily could have, could have won. Um, but you know, one one guy I really want to talk about is uh, is Zach Thomas. You're. Um, <laughs> I heard y'all didn't like Zach Thomas. No, that's not. That's not. It's not that we don't like Zach Thomas. Let, let me let me go on the record by saying we we res- we respect Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas is a legitimate. He's a great quarterback for you guys. But you have you have there there are some App State fans that feel like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers here. He's got, he's got twenty five, almost twenty five hundred passing yards on the year. I mean, that's, I mean, solid I think, numbers in college football. And really, the way I look at Zach Thomas, because I've had the chance to watch a few of your games, I watched pretty much the entire game against Troy last weekend. And one thing about Zach Thomas is that he fits perfectly in that system. And he's and I, and I've been saying this about the entire team as a whole, but also Zach. He's fundamentally sound, you know. He's not going to be like Lamar Jackson on a zone read where he's doing crazy spin moves and jukes, but he'll still find a way to get a first down. He'll still find a way to extend drives. He'll still find a way to get in the end zone. And really, he's I see some similarities between he and Levi Lewis in the fact that, you know, sometimes he'll 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 definitely get those 5 to 6 yards, 
but he'll do it in a way that'll wear out defenses. And that's one thing Levi Lewis has improved in this year is that he's been able to extend drives. I, I put Zach Thomas as, a, as a one hell of a field general, if that makes any sense. I think he's a great leader on the field. He has that presence about him. And, and, and that offense, just they just rally around the guy. He seems like a great leader, too. Um, but when I look at Zach, I don't look at him as flashy as much as I look at him as one of those guys that'll, you know, he'll get you that first down. He'll get you, he'll extend that drive for you. And to me, that's my type of quarterback. You don't have to get all fancy schmancy to, to get in the end zone. I just want to score. And that's one thing Levi's done for us. And I think that's what Zach Thomas has done for you guys as well. You look at college football, you can have a guy throw for 50 touchdown passes and 4,000 yards. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be on a winning team. Um, and I think that every every head coach in, in college football should find a quarterback that fits the um, ideas and the minds and the molds of what you want to do on offense. And, and we have always been a run first, but pass to run. And then where are you out with the run kind of a team? We're not going to drop back 45 times. If we drop back 45 times, we're losing. Uh, we want to drop back about 25 to 30 and take it from there. Uh, just that the whole entire idea is like let's run the ball 55 times a game and and if you can do that then it's it's you know that's that uh, formula has had some success i guess you could say yeah i'm looking at darrington evans numbers and he's he's carried the ball 217 times this season for for 1250 yards um i want to get to this point and then i know josh is probably chomping to ask you guys a couple questions so i'll i'll let him take over do you guys think that Darrington Evans is the best running back in the Sun Belt Conference? I know you're all going to have some some issues with that <laughs> because you, you've got a, a pretty good three-headed attack on yourselves. Uh, I would say um, as a pound-for-pound all-around player, yes. Um, he's a returner. Um, he, he, you know, he can catch out of the backfield. We just don't need him to. Um, you know, when he came here, we actually were trying to line him up in the slot. Uh, and then we had um, issues with some injuries, and so we had to quote unquote move him back to running back from where he, once he came in high school, and then he just kind of stuck there because we couldn't not stop giving him the ball. Uh, he had to be fed, and he, you know he may not. Um, I, I kind of relate to him as Barry Sanders without all the juke moves. Like you know he, he's he's going to get three and four and, and kind of have some of those kind of ugly runs, but then you may also have that 60 that you have to defend. And he'll have one of those every single game, a 50 or 60 yarder. Um, and those the type of plays that he really feeds off. I, I don't know if he's the best, but I think he's the best running back in the system. I think that's a word y'all like to use, a system that which we run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And as far, as far as my comments on that, you know, I, um, I think questions, I, I think, you know, I, no offense to the question at all, but I, I think uh, it's kind of a loaded question. I mean, what, what is, I mean, what does it mean to really be the best running back in, in the conference? I mean, and, and isn't that premier back. And, and, you know, players? you know, and I, I think, I think to that point, you know, I, I think it, like, like you said, it's a loaded question because what defines them as the best running back is kind of each person's opinion. Right. I mean, there, there's, there's no. You can put Evans on the Cajuns. That's, that doesn't mean he's going to be able to do what he does with us. I mean, we take him. We, we would gladly take him. We'll take him. I don't, I don't know how much he would play, but we'd take him. Yeah, we'd be a four-headed monster instead of a three. So you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no discrediting his numbers. I mean, Darrington Evans is 17th in the country 
with 1,250 yards on the ground. So, I mean, there, there's no discrediting, you know, what he's done in in your offense. Um, you know, Josh, I, I know you're I know you're ready. I know you have some co- a couple of questions, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you take over. Sure, it would probably be a little more fun if if uh, AJ and Charles asked me the questions, right? I mean, it would be. I don't know if they have questions prepared. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of shoot from the hip as well. So anyway, I, I guess the biggest question in my mind is that I've you know we've we've gone back and forth on Twitter and whatnot, but something that seems to be a pretty popular theme is that we both know that our teams have grown since the last time we saw each other. And I'm curious to see what you all think about your your evolution as a team uh, and then also what you guys have seen as an evolution from our side if you've kept up with the Cajuns post the meeting. Uh, well, actually, let me, let me catch on that first because Charles does a better job with due diligence watching <laughs> other teams at the conference than I do, and it's not even close. Uh, the... What I will say uh, is the game we played down there in, in your turf um, was really the first game where we all felt super comfortable with uh, how the defense performed. Um, you only had to pay attention just a little bit to realize that there was a lot of hand-wringing, and I was one of those people about what was going to happen to the defense. We had the best defense in, in the conference for, for three or four years, and, and you know, but whether it was Nate Woody at, at DC or Brian Brown last year, I mean, it was just shut down. I mean, it was, it was a really, a really dominating force, and in my opinion, the reason why we've been successful, the main reason. Um, and so, what, what was going to happen? So, you know, Coach Drink brings on his staff. We retain two defensive coaches and puts in co- uh, Ted Roof, his, uh, defensive coordinator. And really, uh, for the entire month of September, defense didn't play great. We played. Um, Probably our best, you know, ETSU, all due respect to them. I mean, that you know, kind of like your opening, you know, you hate to say your warm-up game or whatever, but, um, and they actually, I don't think they've been very good this year. I think they've won like two games. But anyway, I digress. Um, that game against UNC was probably our best defensive game in the month of September. Um, Charlotte and Coastal Carolina actually got a lot of yards on us at home, and it was kind of weird. Uh, and, and we were kind of you know, like looking at each other going, what in the world's going on? So October 9th, down in um, uh, Lafayette, we saw that performance and how we shut the Cajuns down, and we're kind of like, oh yes, finally, wow, here it here it comes. And and from that point, you know, obviously we had that ugly game against um, Georgia Southern where they embarrassed us at home and it, and it sucked. But um, at this point, you're right. And college football, it's weird. You never have the same team month to month. You just you just don't. Um, but I do, I do think that um, the team we had in November played really, really well in, in just about every way. Um, so I, I, I don't think we're the same team as when we played um, in Lafayette. I know that you guys have been on a tear since we beat you in, in October. And like I said, I've been high on, on, on the Cajuns since last year. I have been. So, um, but I mean, so that's. As far as like what I think, I mean, I watched that game, the the tail end of the game against Monroe, and like, sorry, it was not impressive. I, mean, I can't believe that that was a competitive game, but um, you know, college football is weird, right? I mean, I'm never going to criticize a, a close game because believe me, we've been in close games when we didn't think they should be close. But um, anyway, so from my perspective, I totally believe and understand that the Cajuns are on the same team as they were on October 9th, and I and we aren't either. 
and that's what I think. That's part of what makes really uh, college football really frustrating, but really, really fun. But I, I can't really comment on how you guys have improved since that point. I just have been watching the box scores and um, see that you guys are on a mission, and that's to win the the game on Saturday for sure. Josh, go ahead and uh, and dive into this. You know, they, they mentioned that the that the game against Monroe was not impressive, and it wasn't by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but yeah, that wasn't cool. <laughs> uh, why did you think? Why Why do you think we played that way? What What do you think? I didn't. I didn't. I never got to talk to you about your thoughts on the Monroe game. Well, I, I mean, look, I can do an hour on the Monroe game. Uh, Fifty minutes of it won't be good, but uh, I really was curious to see what Charles said. If he If he does a lot of opponent watching, I'm I'm really curious to see what these guys think about how our team has improved or changed. Charles, so if you, you have can the floor. Comment for just a minute, that'd be great. Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, um, like AJ said, we we probably played our best game to date when we played uh, you guys on October 9th. But that was easily a game that no one was really expecting as far as like the 17 second game. Guys, like high offense, you know, you know what this means. But as we all know, eventually defense wins out these matchups. Um, so I wasn't surprised by the outcome. Um, surprised at how the game unfolded. It was uh, really edge of your seat kind of a game. Um, but at that point, you know, we we had that was a, a part of our season where we had like when we played you on a Wednesday, you had the same situation. Um, we didn't have as many midweeks after y'all as y'all did after that. Um, so I think y'all kind of had a tougher like schedule, if I'm not mistaken. Like as far as um, like just the timing of when games happen after that. If, if I'm not. I could be completely the travel, wrong. The, the travel schedule was difficult. Right, right, right. So after that, we basically played um, – we had Saturdays from there on out, uh, minus um, playing on Halloween against Georgia Southern. Um, but as the season kind of progressed, what we, what we had was our defense getting better because they were um, getting more comfortable with – with you know, that there was some carryover from the other staff uh, from last year, but they were getting more comfortable with Ted Roof and the calls. Ted Roof moved to the booth. Um, in the middle of the season and started calling plays from up there and started seeing things. Uh, I think that was a major improvement than him being on the field. Uh, another thing was, um, although since October 9th and, and this Saturday, we've, we've lost Corey Sutton. That's obviously a big deal. But, um, you know, I think we showed a little bit of what we can do without Corey Sutton last week. But in, in my opinion, if we're, if we're looking at both of our teams playing Troy in consecutive weeks, I think that's a trash game that no one can compare anything. I, like, I don't think either team. I think we found out what Troy was saying. about after the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just garbage. Now, see, the, the question I do have for y'all, um, you know, I think we have progressed on offense. I think it goes the same way um, as far as a balance. I think that's what App's always been about in the balance on offense. And that's why, you know, you can look at our numbers and say, well, your offense isn't as, as flashy as it could be. Some people may say that. But we have really good special teams, and they've been really, really, really good all year long. Um, and you didn't get to see that much in our first matchup because there weren't, wasn't as much scoring. So because there wasn't as much scoring, you didn't have the kickoffs, um, the kickoff coverage, and things of that nature. Now, obviously, y'all did y'all kill us in the punt game, um, and I don't think you're going to have many seasons where a punter gets five um, punts down or four punts down inside like the two or three yard line like y'all did on October 9th. Um, I'm not going to call it fluky, but it kind of was. No, it, uh, it certainly was. It was, was fortunate. It, it was fortunate. And look, I'll, I'll even say this: uh, not and not knowing how Drake runs his offense, or you know, his offensive systems, or what his tendencies are, 
I was actually shocked. I thought that he took his foot off the gas in the second half. Uh, he, I, I thought you guys were being able to – yeah, I thought the, the the passing game was open, especially from the tight end's position. I, I was I was very curious of, of how he ran that second half. I, I don't expect that to happen again. Well, and, and, and another thing is, is we're also down probably our senior tight end uh, in Colin Reed, who um, – it has been really well. It's been really good. I think um, there's probably a guy behind him, Henry Pearson, who is will probably leave here as, as some people will say is the better tight end. Um, I think he's a he's a baller. He played a lot last year as a true freshman, so he didn't, he didn't rest or anything like that. He came out right out of high school and started playing for us. Uh, big guy, good blocker, good hands, all that good stuff. Uh, can get down the field. Uh, the, the other thing I would say real quick is that um, you know, I know we play some similar opponents. Um, I'll bet at some different time, like times of the season, and, and everybody gets better, you know, at some point, or they get worse. You, you're not always staying the same. So, like, I'm looking at these two games, like um, us playing Monroe, you play Monroe, and us playing South Alabama, you play in South Alabama. Um, for us, it was earlier in the season. Um, for y'all, it was later in the season. Those are two games that y'all gave a bunch of yards in, and and those were games where we like gave up like 130 something to South Alabama and like 213 to Monroe. Uh, um, I just I'm curious about y'all's thoughts on that. I'll go first. I I strongly believe in the idea of learning how to win. You guys have been winning for what seems like 30 years, maybe longer. So I think we have a program that has been like it burnt to the ground. We had to rebuild it. Uh, and I, I'll go into another rant later about how we're 0 and 7 against App State, but we're really like 0 and 3. Because we had no program for two and a half years. Uh, but I digress there. I'll go back on the other point is that, you know, I don't, I don't, I think these guys have to be taught how to win consistently. They have to be taught how to handle success more than they have to be taught how to handle failure. I think it's easy to, it's a human characteristic. You fail, you want to do better. When you succeed, you think everything's great. That's where the real teaching begins in my opinion. So I think a lot of that has to do with what you saw against South Al. That and South Al was very physical at the point of attack. I was very impressed by how hard they came out and played. I think our guys were a little disinterested, to be honest with you. Uh, we were down some guys. Uh, we were sent on the defensive line. We lost what has become probably our best outside linebacker and Chris Moncrief early in the game. So there's a few things, not excuses, not reasons, kind of somewhere in between. Uh, as far as Monroe, oh man, I, for whatever reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, those guys show up, and I hate to use the term that we're their Super Bowl, but it, it, it always seems that way. You know, I, I I got a couple of different ideas of why it went down the way it did. Uh, I, I still chalk it up to we're still learning how to win. We were distracted, maybe. Uh, we also had some injuries, and I know that sounds a little repetitive because it, it maybe it fits the narrative. You know, I don't want to make excuses for the team. <laughs> we didn't play well. You know, that's it. Comes down to that. Yeah, you know, I, I, something I thought was curious while um, kind of watching the uh, uh, Monroe game unfold. Um, you talk about injuries. You're talking about uh, the interest in the game. And knowing we played on Friday, and basically, you knew we knew what the matchup was going in. You know, last week before we played, we knew that somebody was playing somewhere, and we were playing each other. Right. Uh, we just don't know where, where the venue was, and then by the time y'all, y'all, I'm sure your team knew about what had happened on Friday night, and you knew that you were coming to Boone, that 
the Monroe game, except for bragging rights, really didn't come down to anything. It didn't matter. And yeah. I think, I, and, and I brought that point up. the 10-win deal and, and the fact that Monroe could have gotten bowl eligible, other than that, not much. Well, that's exactly, and that's exactly what I said in our recap episode last night. I mean, going into this game, we already knew as of Friday the championship game was being played. You guys had clinched the East. We clinched the West. We're coming to Boone next, this coming Saturday. And for the Monroe game, like you said, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Monroe had to win this game to keep their season alive. You know, it was win or go home. Uh, whereas for both of us, we have a championship game and then we play in a bowl game, so we both have two games left to play. Um, I think against Monroe, and, I, and for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but – I, every time we play ULM in Lafayette at Cajun Field, the game always comes down to the wire. We can go up to Monroe. We've beaten them by more than 20 to 30 points at a time in the past up there. But whenever they come down to Lafayette, the game is always within a touchdown. I can't tell you the last time we've beaten them by double digits in Lafayette. It is the weirdest thing ever. Uh, I think like Matt said, I think it was either Matt or was it Josh has said, we are kind of like their Super Bowl in many ways. And um, it's kind of like with you guys in Georgia Southern. You know, you guys enjoy like, – like App in Georgia Southern goes such a ways back. And, I mean, not to, not to pounce on it, but seeing what they've done to you guys these past two years, I mean, look, on paper, App was easily the better team in my book. I know last year I think, it, I think Zach Thomas went down last season. I mean, yeah, and couldn't – and I know you guys couldn't recover from it. But, like, this year, look, we pretty much dominated them in Statesboro this year. And going into that game – you know, I'm like, oh, App's going to win. And sure enough, you know, you guys drop one. It's kind of the same thing. It really is the same thing because you guys have such a past that you, you, the two schools know each other so well that the records go out the window. And I think it's kind of the same thing with ULM, uh, regardless of, you know, the fact that we were 9-2 and two and they were 5-6. and six. It's just they, they had such a chip on their shoulder coming in. And I think a little bit had to do with the fact that, you know, we had already clinched the West and we already knew we were playing you guys this week. But – doesn't make us any happier about it. Um, no. We're excited to win 10 games, but man, like I can't tell you how nervous we were when, when ULM was lining here's, up for that field goal. Here, here's the, here's, here's my, my thing. Say we, we won, we got 10 wins, right? But had we lost that game and say, hypothetically, we, we lose to you guys on Saturday, we're nine and four. Who's really going to harp on that record in the Sun Belt? Yeah, well, like no, you're, like you're right, uh, like nine and four yeah. in the Sun Belt Conference is still an impressive season, but it's com- more common than not. True, but would would anybody really go? Oh, you just went nine and four? Not really. Yeah. Well, look, the Ab guys, the Ab guys understand this because they win all the time. Here's the deal: from a fan standpoint, you go out with you in the season losing to ULM. Oh, it's soul crushing. Lose the season in the championship game, they're gonna say, "Oh, again." Same old Cajuns. That's what they're going to say. Yeah, we have this so, thing down here called K- uh, CDS, Cajun Disaster Syndrome. Oh, yeah. It's um, real. Between, between <laughs> being a Cajuns fan and a Saints fan. Now, granted, the Saints have been winning over the past decade. But even before then, for 40 years, it was sort of like, uh, you know, S- SDS, Saints Disaster Syndrome. We kind of have CDS down here with Cajun Disaster Syndrome where we come so close, but every time we get our chance, we blow it. Um, so close yet so far. So close yet so far. So <laughs> it was nice to get over that hump and win the tenth game the other night, and that was another thing from a from a perception, a fan's perception, uh, a fan's perspective that you know 
we didn't blow it once again, right? So I think that was a big deal for us. Now, you know, Alex and Charles, you know, the the next topic that I kind of want to bring up, I want to hear what you guys think about this player from App State. In my opinion, I think he's one of the most underrated defensive players in the country. I think he's a sleeper in the NFL draft, and you've probably picked up on who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Akeem Davis Gaither. Manchild. Um, you know, what, what, what do you guys think about about Gaither and, you know, obviously having him for four years now? What has he done to kind of be an anchor in that in that defense? Oh, what Akeem uh, has done is he's he's learned from the guys in the past because that yeah um, that linebacking position has been a strength for us um, since FBS. Now we you know in 2014 and 2013 we had our lumps, um, but we were building our depth, we were getting our scholarships up, and. We had a guy named Kenneth Gilchrist who was uh, an absolute monster. And if you were to look at Kenneth Gilchrist and you look at Akeem Davis Gaither, there's some very similar qualities. There are big, tall dudes who are super strong, and they surprise you with how strong they are. They don't look it, but they they absolutely are. Uh, Akeem has super long arms. Um, and between those guys, you had a guy named uh, Devin Stringer who wasn't on the physical side. But what he had was the quickness, and he had the coverage abilities, and that's what those two could have done as well. So they, they can put their hand in the dirt, so to speak, line up on the line, I guess you would say, and then they can drop, and then they can do just a little bit of everything. Um, they just they get in the way, and they make plays. Um, and and he, he plays with a reckless abandon that's very similar to Keenan Gilchrist. Um, we may look back right now and say that uh, Keenan Davis Gaither may actually be better um, yeah. And Keenan, Keenan, Keenan was stronger for a long, longer period of time. Um, but I think it, we're probably going to look, look back at this and say that Keen passed Keenan's um, uh, work ethic and his potential kind of rose above him. But he, he's he's an absolutely sick player. He doesn't take a down off. Um, he understands how important uh, this game has been to him and what it might mean to his family. Yeah, uh, I think the reason why. Um, Keenan um, Gilchrist is more probably um, ah, I don't even know if to say well known is uh, appropriate or, or the right word. I mean Keenan played all four years because he had to. Uh, he was a true freshman in 2013. We didn't have anybody in 2013. We went four and eight. You know, that was uh, in the last um, 30 years we've uh, we've had two losing seasons. Uh, one in 1993, <laughs> and, and, and then two. Wait, 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 wait. Rewind wait. that. Say two, that again. Two losing seasons in 30 years. Yeah, yes. 1993 and 2013. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. And we're, and, we're, and we're closing in. We're closing in on uh, on 40. Okay, if we get to 2022. You hear yeah, that, right. Josh? Yeah. You hear that? It's called tradition, boys, and that's how you get it. Football culture. We call it football culture. That's exactly. That's exactly. Oh, right. it is. And, and, it's, and it's not lost on us. I mean, we're, it's not like we're we're poo pooing it. I mean, we're very grateful that you know we're um, alumni of, of a of a tradition like that for sure. But uh, but Keenan had to play. 2013, he had to play. Had to absolutely. Um, he was our best option. He had a motor. He had a work ethic like crazy. He has a work ethic. He's actually playing in Canada right now. But you know, I ne- I, I I don't know if I ever really and I you know we know Keenan. We've had him on the show. He's a great dude. I don't even know though if I ever thought like he would be NFL like play like as, as a starter um, or make a roster. I mean, a lot of these guys are on the bubble. I mean, the NFL is so competitive today, and as more and more programs are sending quality guys, it's super hard to play in the NFL, as you guys know. Um, 
but uh, he was on the bubble for he played on the Texans uh, practice squad for a couple of years and he was good and uh, Cowboys too in the Cowboys for a little while that's right um, now Akeem uh, he was buried in the death chart because we were so to Charles Point he was just I, I'm sorry we, when you have John Law Eric Box Devin Stringer and, and Kenny Gilchrist I mean I maintain I think Charles and I are in the same boat with this I think I think in the, in our FBS time. Uh, has been defined by the excellence of our, of our linebacking core. We've had great, not good, great linebackers every year we've been in the in the Sun Belt, which has been very fortunate. Now, Akeem, though, is that guy I would be very surprised if he didn't play in the NFL. And, I, and that's, you know, that's oh, he'll get his chance. Like a homer. And, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong and all this good stuff, but I think he's faster than Keenan was. Yeah, uh, he is. He's got long arms. And if you stand next to him, I've met Akeem, and he um, – He's just uh, he's just an impressive looking dude, and uh, he's tall. You know, he's taller than Keenan. So I, th- I think size matters in the NFL. So when you pair longer arms, great work out of the, he's explosive, he's faster. I think he's got a great shot. He's had a phenomenal year. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah uh, for the NFL Network. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. Mm-hmm. He, he's an App State. He's an App State grad, and he's very high on Keenan Davis Gaither. Like. It, Daniel Jeremiah's whole thing is that he's a he's an NFL scout, former NFL scout. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if he offers more details about where he thinks Akeem will fall. But um, it has been it has been a joy to watch him the last two years because he's grown as a player, and he, I mean, he has not had a, he has yet to have a bad game as as a, as a starter for App State. I mean, he is just a freaking beast. Fast, well, I, I think, think you know, I, AJ. I, I think I think ADG is your best cover linebacker. He's the best linebacker you've ever dropped in coverage that I, I can remember at App State. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sure. Now you know. L- l- let's flip it on the contrary. I'm not sure if Jerry and Josh will agree with me on this, but l- let's look at Louisiana's linebacking core for a second, and specifically, you know, Jacques Boudreau. Uh, he he was named Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Week this week. Uh, Twelve tackles against Monroe. It was his fifth game this year with double-digit tackles. Um, what what do you guys think? I mean, I know Charles. You know, you kind of you kind of dive into the other teams in the conference. What have, what have you seen out of Jacques Boudreau? Um, how how does he compare? You know, with with some of the better linebackers you guys have seen. You know, kind of kind of talk about that for a second. I mean, he's he's got to be considered a, a top three, top five interior um, linebacker in in the Sun Belt, easy. Um, you've got uh, Troy's Cor- was it Corbin Marshall? Yeah, um, he's he's really good. Um, Brian Lemon, second Texas State is really good. Um, you know, you could say you, you could perhaps throw Jordan Fair in there for us as an interior guy as, as one of those. But um, he's just he's just all over the field. He makes plays left and right. And when you when you have a guy on, on that on the field who uh, makes a lot of plays, then it leaves um, your other players open um, to kind of make mistakes but also cover areas of the field that they usually don't have to because you're, you're, you've got a guy who's covering uh, you know the turf of one and a half guys and I think that's kind of kind of what he does is that he's just a lunch scale dude he gets in there um, and he goes to work and he tackles people I mean that's that's really the the way I put it is that he's he's a he's a run stopper um, I probably in my opinion um, before he's like a coverage guy um, but you know he's he's someone you've got to account for. Now, you know, let, let's look at the at the wide receiver wide receiving game for 
for both programs. You know, you talked about losing Corey Sutton, which is obviously a, a huge, huge blow to your offense. But, you know, you kind of filled that gap last week with letting Thomas Hennigan kind of rise to the to the occasion. Talk, talk about what Hennigan's done for the offense, you know, especially in the absence of, of Corey Sutton. Well, it's, it's been one game. So, um, and I believe if you had to ask me, uh, that game plan last week was intentional um, to set up this week. Um, you know, you, you now all of a sudden you got to say you got to account for Thomas Hennigan, and, and maybe you got to shade some coverage one way. And Drink is smart enough guy to know that a defense is going to think that way, and that's where you're going to get like, you're going to have like a Malik Williams game where he has like six, seven, eight catches. We're going to have a little bit more work for like a Keyshawn uh, Watson who just kind of came off an injury and is uh, emerged of late. Um, you still got Jalen Virgil who can go deep, uh, faster than Corey Sutton, not as big as Corey Sutton, not as great as hands as Corey Sutton, but still a threat anytime he touches the ball. And then you, then you may see some, um, you know, a freshman uh, pop in there, um, you know, that that um, certainly could, um, you know, steal a couple catches and uh, somebody that you typically would not account for because you hadn't seen him on tape a lot. But you know, that that's the kind of per- that's the kind of like offensive mind that Drink is is that he wants you to think about things the wrong way, and he capitalizes off of it. Now, you know, I'm, I'm asking you guys one more question, and then I, I want to pose a question for Jerry and Josh. You know, you mentioned, you talked about the game plan. What do, looking at the um, looking at the game plan for Saturday, in, in terms of how you defend Louisiana, what what do you, with especially with our passing game improving over the last couple weeks, what what if you're if you're drink wits, what's the game plan for for Saturday? Defensively, I, I think we probably stick to something very similar. I think that's what I think Louisiana has been. Um, I, I think the word that popped in my head was determined to throw the ball um, to kind of gather that balance. And I think if we uh, keep to something that we've similarly done, which is get pressure with defensive linemen, cover with everyone else. Um, you know, it all starts with when the quarterback gets rid of the ball. So if he's got all day and he can get, he can find running lanes, then it's going to create issues. But if he doesn't, um, you know, that's that's going to be an advantage for App. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I think one of the most important plays in that game that happened in October was on the first play from scrimmage when y'all had the ball that Demetrius Taylor went back there and pushed Levi Lewis down like a ragdoll. And I think that set the tone for the entire game um, that that we were we were there to play. And I'm not meaning that as an insult. That's just the way it looked to me. Yeah, we were we were kind of upset I agree 100%. about that. Yeah, we were kind of upset about that because uh, that first drive we threw the ball three straight plays, and that's usually not what we do. Um, that particular game, I thought that, and Josh, you can chime in on this. I kind of thought that we we kind of went away from our game plan, and and really what our game plan is when we have a, even though we have a good balance attack, sometimes you got to run, and I felt like we didn't run enough. We tried to go we tried to go vertical a little too much in the beginning of that game, and we finally settled down on that touchdown drive before halftime against you guys. We were able to kind of balance it out a little bit, but, but by then it was just too late. Um, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, well, I had a follow-up question for Big C, and it was in that vein. Uh, were you guys surprised by our offensive game plan? Because I can tell you, I sure was. Yeah, we weren't too happy about that. A lot of people sitting in the stands were also. So when you guys went in, did you expect us to pound the rock? Did you expect us to do some trickery? What did you expect? Because what I got is not at all what I expected. 
I, I had some people over at the house, and I think what I said to them is every time Louisiana throws the ball, we win it down. For sure. That's kind of how we, we agree with that. Yeah. That's kind of how we looked at it. <laughs> Although our passing game has improved over the last couple weeks, like I stated, anytime we're throwing the ball – it's advantage to anybody else. We take a deep breath. Well, I, I was more upset about the situational decisions. You know, uh, mm-hmm. fourth and uh, I think it was fourth and two there in that third quarter. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's hazy, but instead of running the ball three times or two times for two yards, we throw a fade and we run a, a jet sweep or something. It was just – I was beside myself. I couldn't believe when you had those two big – horses back there you wouldn't just hand it off and see what look when you do something well and you have a strength i firmly believe you write it until it, it doesn't pay you back and we didn't do that in october uh, that was my biggest regret of that game I, I if you play that same exact game 10 times i think it's five and five really zach thomas is backed up near the end zone and throws a pick six pick six and, dro- and jo- drops the ball i mean just play the exact same game and have that one play change and you have a different outcome. You know, there's a couple of times where Andre Jones didn't read the uh, the quarterback keep properly, and there goes Zach. Scampers around 20 yards, 50 yards, in one case a touchdown. You know, I, I thought it was a really good game between two really good teams, and I'm excited about Saturday. I can't wait. I'm going to be there, by the way. If, uh, if, if I get a chance, I'm going to stop by and visit with you guys. But, uh, yeah, hey. man. Hey, we'll be there. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I think I think you're right. Um, just just real briefly, um, I I was surprised at y'all's game plan. Um, I'm surprised y'all didn't run more stuff straight at us. Um, I think y'all made a major mistake by trying to run around us, and nobody can run around App. Um, we we are too fast. We always have been. Yep. If you're gonna try and beat us to the corner, you're, you're gonna lose that race every single time. And that's that's, that's what, why it was so baffling, though. I mean, this yeah. is not something that he didn't know. You know, you guys have speed on the edge. We all know that. I was I was shocked. Even even Raymond Colley, who I've said all year long, once he catches the corner, he's gone. I'd be nervous putting him on the corner against your backers and your secondary. I, I think three all three Regis is your best back, and I think he's vastly underused. Yeah, he's been battling well, he's some. Been, he's been battling some injuries. He's been dinged up here in the second half of the yeah, season. Gotcha, we're gotcha. trying to. I, I wasn't aware of that. Well, we're trying to. What we're trying to do now is, I mean, this week we're trying to get as healthy as possible. And I, there were actually a few guys who didn't play the other night against ULM for that reason, um, knowing the circumstances that we were facing at this week. I think Coach Napier was trying to get as many guys rested up as possible um, because we're going to need everybody we we can use uh, going into this game on Saturday. I mean, that's another thing that you you look at with the distances of that game is if uh, the players read the coach is like. Hey, we're going to be on the safe side and let this guy rest this week. We probably don't need him. Um, you know, that vibe comes through like, oh, this doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if we win or lose because we're probably going to have to play. We're going to play the same game in the same place. Right. I'm right. not saying that's, that's, a, that's a negative or a positive. It could pay off. But you, you've got to know if you've got a football team with 100 players on it that there's got to be something that kind of feel that way. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and kind of wrap this up, guys. Um, predictions for Saturday. I kind of, I kind of like to see what people think is going to be the the final outcome and whatnot. So we'll we'll start with you guys. What do you guys see Saturday? Uh, go, um, go ahead, AJ. Charles, oh, no, <laughs> all right, I'll go. So um, don't be scared to give a not, nuclear hot take. Oh well, no, we know how to do that. Uh, 
<laughs> no, um, it's, no, honestly, uh, when, the, when the spread came out, I was uh, not that that matters because I think it's the whole purpose has to make money. It doesn't mean what people actually think the uh, uh, final result is going to be. I was, I was honestly thought that, that you know Vegas would set it at right at a touchdown. Um, I think that was that was fair, um, considering the circumstances. And uh, it it, well, it opened at what three, three and a half, or two and a half, whatever it was, and then it quickly jumped up. So. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I'm not seeing this as a blowout. I'm seeing it as probably another like close game. I don't think we're going to see any type of like 49 to 42. Um, so you think it stays fairly low scoring? I think if it stays fairly low scoring, um, I've always been one of the key uh, believers in like first to 30. Uh, whoever scores 31st probably has the best chance of winning. Um, 30 might not be necessary this week. Maybe 28 is enough. Um, but that, that's kind of what I'm leaning toward. Um, I think we win a tight one. Um, you know, the bounce of the ball one way or another could, res, you know, turn the final score into something that wasn't for the entire game. Yeah. So the way, you know, I, the, it, well, I have nothing against guys talking about, you know, what the strategy should have been or how do you think that the Nap State defense going to approach the Louisiana offense? You know, that, that's fine. I, I, the reason I don't typically talk in in those ways about these games is because. I know so little about football compared to coaches that get paid to break down film and actually develop game plans and they see things on film that I just don't see. I mean, even when I talk to former players and coaches and, and what they see in a game is just not what I see. So, so you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of flex my muscle there because I don't think <laughs> I don't like I have a muscle there. But I, but I, I do like looking at uh, kind of a 30,000-foot view of a program um, and I think that App is uh, I, I think App will win as far as a score. I'm gonna just I'm gonna say that I don't think it's gonna be a blowout one way or the other. Um, I don't see a ton of points being scored. I do think Louisiana is really good, but here's why I think App App will win. Yes, I'm a homer. Yes, I mean we wouldn't be doing fan podcasts if we weren't all homers. You, none of you guys think App's gonna win, so it's it's all well and good. So I I I do think that what I can't remember who it was that said this, but. Um, Louisiana is still learning to win a little bit. In a, in a 10-win regular season, you guys are well on your way. And um, the problem is that you're playing an App State team that doesn't know how to lose, and it, they're they're hungry and they're sending out one of the most successful senior classes of all time at, at App State. And we've had a lot of them. We we had a we had a senior class that at one point in the mid 2000s that never lost at home ever. And so that and and so that that comes with a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And that they're not going to roll over and, and give that up easily. They, they work hard. They know how to they know how to speak them out. I'm not saying Louisiana doesn't. They could win this game on Saturday. I'm not saying they won't. But I do think um, being at home, you know, being in this environment, I don't think the weather is going to be a factor right now. As, as of right now, it shouldn't be windy and it should be 40s and sunny, which I don't think will impact football players. I mean, they're running around getting their blood pumping. That's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna, trust me, it'll feel great. A noon kickoff um, with that with that weather will be fine. No, no one will be cold. Um, I, watch, I say that, and there's gonna be a sleet storm. <laughs> so, knock on wood, right now. Knock on wood, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, fr- Friday night's not supposed not supposed to be especially dry. So, <laughs> well, and I, yeah, and I will say the colder it gets, the supposedly the bigger things we have. I thought that against Georgia Southern, but it came back and bit me pretty hard. But yeah, guys, you know, I, I don't have a score to give you. I don't have a, well, I think we're going to do this, I think we're going to do that. I think App's a great football team. I think they're very highly motivated. Same way I think Louisiana is, too. I'm just being honest with you. But, um, I, you know, as much as I'm trying here, sitting here not to be a homer, I, 
I think um, this will be the last game that guys like Akeem Davis Gaither and Vic Johnson and Jordan Fair, Josh Thomas, Desmond Franklin, and all these guys are playing at Kidbrew Stadium. And I don't think that's lost on them. And I, I think um, it's going to mean a lot. Not to say again, not to say it doesn't mean a lot to Louisiana. Not saying that. But uh, these guys know how to get it done, and I have reason to believe that there's a, a, a higher likelihood that they do get it done. So. Um, as much as I, I – and I think they're a threat, too. Believe me, I'm not waking up Saturday morning going, up. Oh, let's just go check out this game. I mean, I, I think this is something it, they need to take seriously. I think they are taking it seriously. And I think uh, Louisiana is the best Sunbelt team by far that we, we've had to face in our um, in our time in the Sunbelt. Um, although that 2014 Georgia Southern team is pretty good. They steamrolled everybody. But I do think um, – I do think this is a really, really, really special Louisiana team, and I hope I hope we can make it 0-8. It makes for great Twitter content. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Josh, go ahead. What you got? Uh, well, I, I would say that of all the things that we can talk about on the field, the thing that strikes the most fear into me is exactly what he just talked about, the human psyche. Uh, these guys are going out, and they want to go out winners. They're, they're playing their last game at Kid Brewer. I mean, that's a big deal. That To me, that means more than – how much you can bench press and how fast you can run. I think that that's very important. Um, and the problem for us is when you play a team that knows how to win or, as AJ put it, doesn't know how to lose, uh, that, that's a unique quality. And uh, that's why everybody's trying to get that quality, try to instill that quality in their teams and their players. So I, I am concerned. I'm, I mean, look, I think that they are two very good football teams that are very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, I think you see a vastly different game than you saw in October I don't think it's going to be particularly low scoring I think 20s and 30s is probably correct um, I don't have a, a, a prediction I'm, I'm, I'm very similar in that way is that I don't know anything about football I'm just a fan I love to talk about everything I can tell you what I see but to predict a score I, I don't have one I think it's a close game I think we see a little more fireworks in this game from an offensive standpoint uh, I think the coaches will make some adjustments and I think both teams have gotten better uh, offensively in particular for the Cajuns offensively I think Levi Lewis has really come into his own uh, I think we're a lot more balanced I don't think that we're trying to learn how to be balanced I think that we found that and I think that it'll it'll be on display if it works I don't know I, I think it will work I, I just I want to lean on our stable of backs and and lean on our strengths and I hope that Napier learned in that first game uh, let's not like we talked about let's not try to get cute let's just do what we do so uh, I'm just excited for a great game. This is great for the belt. It's great for us. Uh, App's been winning for a long time, so I don't know how great it is for these guys, but it's fun to be a part of. <laughs> That's great. Never gets old. Jerry, what you got? <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, it's pretty. First of all, it's really cool. You know, since I'll be honest with you guys, whenever you, uh, whenever App and, and Georgia Southern joined, this was right after a lot of Sun Belt schools left: uh, North Texas, FIU, FAU, Middle. Um, Western Kentucky, some teams that we really started to form a little bit of, of rivalries with, especially middle. Um, and we had a lot, there were a lot of, a lot of fans that were discouraged because we felt that we got left behind and, um, you know, in comes app, in comes Georgia Southern. And you guys have pretty much carried that torch of success. I mean, both schools. Um, and 
for uh, these past couple of years to see the teams get ranked, to see Troy beat LSU two years ago, to get ranked for that one week, um, to see you guys get ranked last year, and then for you guys to be able to sustain a top 25 ranking, that's good for our conference. And then, of course, the Cajuns being, you know, getting votes in the top 25 as well. I mean, we're, I think the coaches poll had us at number, what, 29? Like I mean, that's that, yeah. probably one of the highest rankings we've had since I can remember. I don't even know if we've had a ranking that high. Uh, so we're right on the verge of uh, becoming a top 25 team as well, barring uh, the game this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm like Josh, uh, and I'm like, and, and also AJ, I'm like you. I, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, one thing that does scare me a little bit is the fact that we do have to play at, at your stadium. I mean, Kid Brewer is a tough place to win at. Um, and I think for me, I, I do think it's going to be a little bit different than the first game. I do think the two teams, if the fact that they've seen each other, they'll know how to adjust. You've got two head coaches that are very analytical. Uh, I know Coach Drinkowitz is extremely analytical as well as Coach Napier, so the game plans are going to – I think the game plans are going to be a little bit different as far as scheming goes because we've seen each other before. We'll know what to adjust to and go through sort of that SWAT analysis of the first matchup. Uh, honestly, I, I, I just it's, – it's hard for me to predict it because I think it can go either way. Um, I think it really depends on – of course, it's going to be the turnover battle as well as uh, who can get the first break. Uh, if App scores early and if, they, if, if you guys are able to, to make some big plays and force turnovers and get that home crowd behind you, that's going to be tough for us. It's going to be tough for the Cajuns to really come back from that. But I think if the Cajuns hit first – uh, we might have ourselves a football game. Either way, I think the game is going to come down to the wire. I think the game will be decided with about, what, five, ten minutes left uh, in the fourth quarter. I think it'll be later I, than that. I think it might but... be later than that, depending on if the teams can limit, if the Cajuns can limit their mistakes. Because, again, we are playing uh, we are playing in Boone, and it's a tough place to win at. Uh, it, it's, I mean, just last year it was interesting that we were that competitive with the team that we had. And that gives me a little bit of confidence because I think we have a lot better team coming to town for round two of the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Um, I, I don't know. I can't really make a prediction. I, I, I just it, – it's one of those games that can go either way. Um, and I say that not to be a homer for the Cajuns and, oh, my gosh, we're going to go there and win. But I, I just feel like the Cajuns are a lot better team than what we saw with App. And I know App's, App's definitely improved since our first meeting as well. I'd probably have to give the slight advantage to App just because they're at home. Um, but if they were to win, it would be. I think it'd be within a touchdown. I don't think it would be no uh, 63-14 like we saw two God, years ago, or no. 30 to 19 nope. like last year. I think it'll be closer than last year. I will say that. Uh, but I think the the chances that the Cajuns can win, they have to limit their mistakes. They cannot force turnovers or, or commit turnovers. And I know that app defense is going to be hunting for blood. But um, right now, if I had a prediction, I'd probably. And I know a lot of my Cajun brethren are going to be upset with me. I think App might win a close one on this one. Uh, actually, and you guys laughed at it because I know you guys were uh, – y'all know we all were listening in the first time. I said 38-28 Cajuns in the first matchup. I definitely will not predict that this time around. If anything, I think it'll be um, – I think, I think if the Cajuns do win, it'll probably be something like a field goal. It would have to be something like a field goal. But I also think if App wins, it'll probably be within 10 points. Is that, is that fair? I mean, so if the Cajuns win, it'll be a field goal. If App wins, it'll be within 10 points. And I think it'll come down to turnovers as well as um, who, who, who punches who first in the – who punches who in the mouth first. Because it, it'll determine sort of that uh, – yeah. sort of the direction of that, you, of that game. You know, um, I've, I've been told, especially by my, by my dad and brother, that I'm the, I'm the king of hot takes. All right, let's um, hear it. I, I love to give them, apparently. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, I can't wait. 
You know, no, don't give them Twitter material. I'm, okay? I'm giving them Twitter material. No, don't do I am. it. I am. Don't. Because it's, what, you know it's what? what I believe, Jared. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you guys, and I don't know if I'm a conspiracy theorist, y'all y'all took like the recordings and put it in like the app locker room, and they were probably like listening to it on the plane on what the way I'm, into What Lafayette. I'm about to say is what I firmly <laughs> believe, so let me have it. All right. You okay. Guys, it's all you. It's all you. App State, obviously, you know, we, we've talked about it for the majority of this episode, has a winning culture, has a has a football culture. You know, like you said, you guys have, have had two losing seasons in 30 years. We've had five in the last 10. Um, that's a, um, it's actually pretty good oxymoron, exaggeration, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, lo- looking at this year, I, I, I said going into the October matchup that I thought the Cajuns were slightly the better team um, due to just the overpowering ability on offense that, that the Cajuns have. I mean, they're the, according to the NCAA, they're the eighth best offense in the country. Um, so I think I think it's I think the the offensive advantage gave the Cajuns the slight advantage as a whole. And and honestly, coming into this game, I think I'm going to stick with that. Uh, again, you know, App's defense is is phenomenal. It's by far the toughest defense the Cajuns have played ever. Um, and obviously, Kid Brewer Stadium is a is a tough place to play. And if the weather becomes a factor before Saturday. I think that makes it even tougher, especially considering, you know, that's not weather that, that we're used to. But I, I think, again, I, I'm going to stick with, I believe that the Cajuns are, are slightly the better team, and I think that they've done a great job of not committing turnovers this season. I think I think the Cajuns get out with a 38-31 victory. Wow, high score. Hey, I, have a closing, I have a closing question for the guys. Yeah, absolutely. Who runs, who runs the Twitter account? It's 99% AJ. <laughs> I like how Charles answered that right away. <laughs> and, 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 and AJ goes with the eh. <laughs> hey, I, got, I have a question. I don't know. Give Charles some credit to uh, give him a chance to take some credit for some of the outstanding content that's on there. But he, he went with 99%, and that's, uh, that's good. fair. That is, no, no, no y'all's, y'all's, y'all's Twitter is golden. Y'all, y'all got some good the question, stuff. The question was going to be, did you guys see, I don't know if it was a media uh, media member from App or who it was, but they asked Drake today if uh, it was possible to get some sort of a trophy to play for between Lafayette and Boone, and he said, well, we already do. It's called the, es- the Sunbelt Championship. <laughs> so, yeah. that, was, yeah. that was awesome. That was excellent. And, and let me, and I do have a question. Drake is, yeah, Drake is one of those uh, quick-witted guys. Uh, no pun there, but he, he is he is sharp on the tongue. And that's a, and I do have a question for you guys with that in regards to the coaches. Uh, you know, right now, and we're kind of freaking out a little bit because Billy Napier has been put on short list, which we kind of expected with the success he's had in the short two years he's been here at Louisiana. You guys lost Scott Satterfield to Louisville, which obviously most people saw it coming. Um, what is uh, the fact that you guys have experienced this a few times? Like, what is your point of view as far as head coaches that come in, they do their job, and what do you guys think of Eli Drinkwitz? Do you see him being there long? Obviously, he's gotten you to the top 25. Um, how do you, I guess, from a fan's perspective, from our perspective, we're not used to that. How do you guys handle that as fans losing your head coach to better schools or bigger schools? I'm sorry, bigger schools. Quickly, we've done it once. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so we, we didn't like it last year. We were very sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so just, just a quick history lesson for you guys. Um, Scott Satterfield replaced Jerry Moore, who's, you know, the all-time the winningest. Yeah, he was awesome. Southern. Right. Yeah, 
Jerry Moore's great. We have we actually both we have a good relationship with Coach Moore. He's been on the show several times. He he's an awesome guy. We love him to death. His exit was ugly. Um, we per you know we neither one of us really liked how it was handled by our previous athletics director, who was a, now it's Georgia State, and there's a reason he's, he's there. He's a piece of work, and I got I got to say I'm I'm shocked. I mean, it, listen, this is another podcast that would last five hours, but it's yeah. amazing that another D1 school would hire him. But anyway, whatever. So it has nothing, and actually, you can eliminate that Jerry Moore situation from his resume, and I still would say the same thing. But anyway, um, so really, um, Scott Satterfield was, you know, he was our, a, a favorite son. He was a native son. So he replaced the legend. So that was kind of a band-aid that kind of suited the burn a little bit. We were not upset with that. Now, when Sat left um, on top, which you can't deny it was on top. I mean, he's 11 and 2. And sure. Absolutely crushed. Um, I gotta say, guys, this is gonna sound weird because this is a hobby for us. Now, yes, we take it very seriously, but it's you know our families are more important and, and taking care of them. So that's that's real stuff. But this is a hobby. But I had trouble sleeping, and, and Charles probably had trouble sleeping too. Just wondering, like, what's gonna happen? You know, um, I will tell you from my perspective, I always assumed he would leave for a bigger job, and I never once was gonna begrudge him for it. Still don't. I think Charles. It was more convinced he was a, a lifer, and that's fine. But I, I always suspected he would leave. There, were, there was rumors swirling around. I think they're very true that um, it was between him and Luke Fickle for the Cincinnati job um, the, year last, the year before. And I was fully prepared just to say goodbye, sat, and you know, kind of to do the sniffling and, and crying. Then when he left Louisville, it was a dagger to the heart. Um, as far as because um, we love him, he's a Mountaineer. He's he spent. <laughs> 25 years on the mountain. Sure. Um, yeah, he, he, was a, he was a quarterback and an assistant coach. He left here for two years. Yeah. So wow. He, he, since he was 18 years old, he's been off the mountain for two years. So that, wow. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge thing for him to – Three if you count this last one. That's a, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, now, as far as what we think about drink, um, drink is – I've used this adjective a lot when describing him. Dude's a bulldog. He's a bulldog. He's um, – he, Is he really? Is he really? He it's is. a lot different than Sat. Um, he's he's nothing like he looks. Yeah. He looks like an associate Pentecostal pastor. No, well, he and he probably was raised by one, but. But he, you know, Drink is um, what I'll say about Coach Drinkwitz. He's always been good to the Black Bull Podcast. Uh, he came on the podcast within just a few days of him getting hired. Um, we we're That's awesome. for him. We've all. We we coined the term, you know, trust the visor, um, and, and nice. he, he's always had he's had our support. Um, I I personally think he's a better offensive mind than Scott Satterfield. He's a better clock manager than Scott Satterfield. The only thing that Drink hasn't been able to, and it's, it's, he hasn't proved it because he hasn't been able to prove it. Who knows if he's a culture builder? Um, he's certainly a culture maintainer. Who knows if he's a good player developer? He, he's inherited an insanely talented roster. I don't think those are knocks. I don't think he's had necessarily the opportunity to prove that he can do that long term. That's a timing thing. You don't know if that's going. As far as do I think he'll he'll stay long term? I I I don't think Charles and I have ever talked about this. I don't think he will. Uh, I, I wouldn't hold it against them. I I see Coach Drinkwitz as an extremely ambitious guy. He did not play in college. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about um, hey, I didn't play college ball. Look at me. Look where I am. And I think he's really talented. Really really smart and very driven. Um, I do not see him at App State for a long time. I do suspect that in the next year or two. Maybe, who knows? This, I mean, look, man, football's crazy. So it could, it could be days. We don't know. 
<laughs> it could, right. It could be when we hang up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, in all honesty, um, I, I don't think he'll stay long term. I would not, and I would never begrudge somebody that would um, triple, quadruple their, their salary and take care of their family for the rest of their lives for doing. I just would not. Um, but but um, he's done a, a fantastic. I mean, undeniably, an undeniably great job with App State football. And um, I mean, and there are numbers to prove that. That's an objective fact about him. But yeah, I think I think he would take a, an opportunity to triple or quadruple his salary to go somewhere else. And I wouldn't begrudge him for it. I think that's how the industry is. Especially if he has no ties to App State. I hate to say that, but he, he doesn't. But again, I don't see that as if, if he's listening to this right now. I would. I mean, I. I'm cool with it. I mean, he's he's uh, he's done a great job for App State, and I also think that um, our our athletics director uh, Doug Gillen he said something um, during SAS last year to us that um, is, I mean, absolutely true. Scott Satterfield made that job way more desirable than when he left it, and oddly enough, so is Coach Drink. I mean, App State was a desirable job to the nth degree when he got it, and he's actually made it a better job. So I I depending on. Um, whether or not you get those, you know, it's kind of hiring a coach, kind of like walking in a minefield. You know, you don't know sometimes. But um, I, I think we're in the territory where we're not getting those Jerry Moore who's going to hang around for a couple decades. The fact yeah. that we had Scott Sackle for six seasons was pretty amazing, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, excuse me, a long-winded, uh, a short-winded version of what AJ just kind of uh, said is that mostly when he was hired, I think the majority of the fan, uh, the fan base was said, I like hope we can get them for two. Uh, because we all knew that, uh, like two years, because we all knew how stacked we were coming back this year. And sorry, guys, we're returning 10 guys on offense again next year um, it, as far as eligibility is concerned. So we're going to be even nastier. Uh, another year under drink would be great. Uh, I, you know, he's he's kind of cooking with somebody else's ingredients right now. Uh, he, he hasn't recruited, um, but one year he had a short year of it. Uh, we haven't seen any of his players yet uh, get through the system, and you know, you have to determine that. And and maybe you know, some people they don't know if they can recruit, so why find out? You know, if you sit here and wait four years for the, the super job, you know, the country might find out that well, you know, you, you're a good coach, you're not a great coach. And then you're you kind of quote unquote stuck, but you know the beauty in, in college football is is um, you know it's it's all about what what another athletic director doesn't know about you, right? Um, that'll get you hired. So I mean, you just look, look I'm dead serious. I mean, he's a young guy. Yeah. I mean, you go look at the, the guys who just got fired in the SEC. They do all about these dudes, you know. Um, you know, Barry Odom been there forever. Um, but for whatever reason, got canned. You got two SEC coaches get canned because of, uh, you know, in civil A sanctions. Those guys had no chance, you know? Yeah. So who are they looking yeah. for? What's our, our, you know, right, right. Arkansas's Canada dude after two years, you know, not even. So, I mean, is the desire to go find a place where you can make two or three or four years of good money? And how do you balance that versus, like, we're, we're a kind of community that's like, Hey man, plant your roots. Just don't, you know, set up a house. You know, um, you know, we're, we're, we will grab a hold of you and we will make you a part of this community. And um, and if he wants that, then we'll be here with, with open arms. If he doesn't, then uh, we're set up well. Uh, we're 
our AD has said many times, uh, App State is a top 25 job, and we expect top 25 football. Now, this may have been only, uh, you know, a kind of a recent development for this. What great foresight. I just realized that. Wow. Yeah. Fortune teller, Dylan. And so here we are, you know, and this is this is our expectation. This is, um, we, sure, we would love to be better at a lot of other sports, absolutely. But we're capitalizing on what we have. And, and like we have said so many times already, you know, tonight, um, this isn't recent. This is what we do. This is what we expect. Um at any point of a football season is to be good. Um, we had a Charlotte fan who uh, was a friend of a friend, and he, he he was like, why are you complaining? You're winning. You're up two touchdowns. And then I said to him, winning's not good enough here. We have to win and look good. And that's and I think that's the difference between a lot of the teams in the Sun Belt, not St. Louisiana, but a lot of them, uh, they celebrate wins. They get happy with six wins, happy with bowl eligibility. Six and six is going to get you fired in the boom. You know, you can't do that much. Um, that, that, that won't be a good, good uh, recipe for your uh, getting to stick around. But then we also don't have the history of doing that. But the expectation is to be good and to be successful and to win. And, you know, it's funny you mention that because we kind of have the same thing here at Louisiana, especially in the spring. We play uh, baseball and softball. You know, we've built that type, exactly that culture. Um, so I could definitely re- we can definitely relate to that extent. We're trying to build that right now currently with our football program. So, it, But it's, we know it's going to take time. Just the fact that we get to play in our second straight year for a conference championship is, is a huge step forward for our program. But I do want to say, uh, Charles, that's a good point about the head coach. I mean, look, head coaching in college football today, and I know you guys experienced it with SAT, but, you know, the sweet spot for a head coach now is probably about three or four years where a coach can say, okay, I've, I've built my resume up high enough. Now, where are my offers? Uh, unfortunately for us, with Mark Hudspeth, he had that chance his third or fourth year uh, where you had a few schools, I think Tulane, Tulsa, Kansas, I think Houston and Baylor all showed interest in him. And he wanted to stick around because uh, they gave him a raise and he also uh, wanted to see what he could do here. But I think his time had kind of passed him after the fifth or sixth season. And that was kind of around the time when you started getting those media uh, clippings um, whenever he was facing App. And, but by then, you know, that it was sort of like a bell curve. I mean, that opportunity for him to move up had, had gone. And um, I think what it showed me was it's like, man, in this, in this industry, you have to have – you have to win your first two or three years to have a shot. If not, your time's going to pass and, and you're going to be stuck in limbo. And, uh, no, you're absolutely right. That's a very good point. And I think with, with Drinkwitz, I would think that, um, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody might come calling uh, in a few years, but I think it's safe to say that you guys have built a culture there where some coaches get comfortable, and as long as they can maintain the success, I know you guys will definitely be fine with that. You know, we, you know, we don't care who that person is um, to, to an extent. Um, you, you can't be a complete jerk, but um, the, this community is a, is a family. Uh, you have to be immersed in it. You can't go unnoticed in a, in a town of 20,000 where everyone lives on top of each other. Um, you, you can't go to the grocery store or the fast food restaurant or any place like that without running into somebody and you're going to know their name. And and that's, you know, more stick boy and getting a cinnamon bun, whatever it may be. Um, I highly suggest those for coming to go to stick boy and get yourself a cinnamon bun. That'll be a good food <laughs> for us. Josh, you hear that? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't catch the very, the very end, but yes. Uh, but it, but um, regardless, I mean, just just kind of wrap that up is that um, you know we, we love that he's here. Uh, we could have gotten somebody else, and it might not have gone great. And we could have looked at the other end and said, 
what happened? You went eight and four, you know, and, and that that's that's the kind of program that we, we feel like we are is that uh, we knew the table was set for something like this to happen. A lot of us would have said, you know, you know, we would take it an eleven one this year. Um, they probably would have taken it the way we did. That we probably most would have probably thought we were going to lose one of those power five games, um, and, and you know, because they're like, there's no way we're going to lose Georgia Southern. Uh, based off last year and, and, and Halloween and all that good stuff and Thursday night. It didn't work out that way, but maybe in the end it has worked out better because without those two power five wins, we're not where we are. And, and that's something that um, Sack can never get in six years. He had all those close calls. Penn State. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can go on forever. Penn State, Wake Forest, uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, we, we were so close so many times. I mean, two, you lose two games in overtime. Uh, you lose oh, the other one yeah. by one point. Tennessee, I remember um, that one. That Tennessee game goal. hurt my heart. <laughs> so I mean, and it's and so was was that the kind of guy that could get a power five win? You know, at App State, we don't, we, you know, we'll never know that now. But what Drink has done is he has gotten that one, and then he got another one, and so we'll never we'll never be able to measure whether or not um, you know Sat could have won one of those games if he were the coach here. But we would probably felt like we were in a similar situation. Like if Sat was coaching this year, we'd probably be tended to eleven one. Yeah. Big C, I got I got a few things before we get out of here. Uh, at risk of getting myself in trouble, I'm actually an App State closet fan. Have been for a very long time because of everything that you just described. You guys have set the bar. There is an expectation. We yo know, at risk of getting myself in trouble. We are fighting that tooth and nail. Uh, I've been fighting that very thing, making people understand that beating an FCS school by two points is not a win is a win. No, that's that's a disaster is what that is. But we've got folks, again, we are learning how to win in the football program. They think a win is a win, and it, it irks me to no end. It, it is What you just said is so profound, and I hope that a lot of our fan base listens to the podcast, not for selfish reasons, but for that little monologue right there, is that 84 is nice, but it's not nice here. That's where we want to be. And it might take 30 years. It might take a culture change and a tradition building. And it probably will take that. I mean, I'm not going to be naive about it. But we got to start somewhere, and that's what we're doing here. And I hope Napier is one in the long line of many coaches that get us there. Uh, but Thank you very much for saying that and saying it so eloquently. We, Our fan base needs to hear those type of things from someone who isn't me or Matt or Duty or, or you know, the, you know they, they call us, you know, we're the malcontents, right? We're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, never, we're never satisfied. We, you know, we expect too much. Well, which, the way that you described it is exactly how I should have described it, but I tend to swear, so nobody listens. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think the main thing is you guys have built that culture to where it's it's set in stone. The foundation is, has been there for for thirty years, like you said, two losing seasons in thirty years. You know, five hundred is is a disaster at App State, and for us, I mean, we get excited. We, I mean, we've had fans that get excited for going, you know, seven and five or six and six. Oh, we got into a bowl game, great, yay! And it's like, well, can we strive for better than that? You know, and, and look, that's a great starting point. It really is. I, I, I'm not trying to trash anybody that was a part of those teams or how excited we got. I was excited when Bears field goal went through. I mean, oh, that was, yeah, that I was, was awesome. thrilled. But it can't be where you live. It's got to be your starter home, right? That's that's where we started. 
we need to start saving up money so that we can build our new house to fit our bigger family and et cetera, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great analogy right there. All right, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, Alex, Charles, appreciate you guys coming on, uh, giving us a different perspective on on this championship game. Good luck to you guys this Saturday. Good luck to you guys in the bowl season. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll talk more um, down the stretch, maybe next year. Thank you very much, Sounds guys. Thanks a lot for playing. Uh, we enjoyed it. All right, guys. Thanks for doing it, guys. We'll try to catch up with you all. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll do it. All right. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Raging Cajun Army. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. And you can email me questions, comments, you know, whatever it may be, Army at gmail.com. Conference championship game from Boone, North Carolina. Kickoff is at 11 Central on ESPN following college game day. So tune in for that one. Josh, be careful going to Boone. Enjoy it. And, uh, yes, sir. I like our jazz. And Alain Cajans. Alain Cajans. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. And until then, go Cajuns.